tonight, we'll have enough vampires to take over this city. Ah, look, here comes the bride. What exactly happened? I was at a party and some board had a gun on my neck. Wait a sec, you've been beaten on the neck. You're allergic to sunlight. And you don't like the garlic fries. I think I told you. That's my only clean shirt. Oh, sorry, buddy. Dego, put two and two together. Four. Mo, you're a vampire. Oh, bollocks. We need a doctor. Relax. Close your eyes. Come on up. Why? So I can stake you. Why are you trying to kill me, brother? And why did you ever follow that a woman who bit me in the neck? And the woman who bit you was my fiancée, Sheila. She was a vampire. And you are because you got bitten by her. I want you to teach me how to kill vampires. Good. Hey, back. Sheila's having a party tonight. We could finish this once and for all. I'm gonna drink you. You do know that you've killed a lot of people. You're making me out to be a monster. That was even sure. You've got blood on your hands now. What? You've got blood on your hands. You should wash them. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of Fresh Cuts. This is Mike, and joining me as always, it's Mr. Venom. How are you doing, Venom? Greetings and salutations, bloodsuckers from the Emerald Isle. I'm doing pretty well, Mike. How the hell are you doing? Doing well. Uh, another typical Monday at work, although this one was a little extra crazy because being out Friday, it was like they kind of had fill-ins doing my my stuff for me, which means, you know, it got about 50% done of what I would nice. usually do. So, uh, well, I was off today for my birthday, so... It was a nice relaxing day at home. Nice, yeah. I was uh, I was the only one in my house that wasn't off because with the kids, their spring break. They it's mm-hmm. weird. They run like spring break week, and then they still give them like the Monday off for some reason. And then my <laughs> wife had taken the day off, so um, it's always it, <laughs> working from home. I love it, but like the one caveat is when like everyone else in your house has a day off, and you're sitting there like actually trying to work. It's <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, uh, but, uh, it could be worse. Like I could always been in an office, which I much not prefer to be. <laughs> yep. Uh, all right. And joining us as always, as well, it's Don Anelli. How are you doing, Don? Yeah, doing good guys. Uh, great to be back as always. Cool. Well, this week we are once again on VOD, uh, waiting for the next theatrical release. So I think this is actually one we were uh, considering doing like the last couple of weeks, but other movies came up um, to do instead. So finally in the rotation, uh, there was an opening, so we went with it, and that would be Let the Wrong One In. And yes, you heard that right. 
because I know the very first time I heard the title, I was like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> um, yes, it is uh, a vampire uh, movie, but this one is a horror comedy. And uh, let's see, uh, the synopsis on IMDb is as follows. A young supermarket worker discovers his older brother is a vampire and has to choose whether to help him or slay him. All right. Well, I guess we're going to choose whether we want to help promote the movie or slay the movie. So there, I I turn that synopsis right into our uh, Mm. opening uh, (laughs) of the show. So I guess we'll start. I took you long enough to finally start doing segues properly. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, we'll start with uh, general thoughts of Venom. Are we uh, promoting or slaying? Let the wrong one in. I'm leaning towards promoting. I I had a pretty good time with this movie. I mean, going into it, you know, it's a horror comedy. So you have to expect um, what I didn't realize because I don't watch trailers and things like that is that this was a foreign film. This was uh, actually set in Ireland, which actually adds a little bit of flavor to it. a, a much welcome flavor, I should say. Yeah, I had a pretty good time with this one. I'm not the biggest vampire guy. Like, uh, when it comes to horror comedies, I, I prefer zombie comedies over vampire comedies. But for whatever it's worth, this one was um, fairly enjoyable. I thought the relationship between the brothers was uh, very organic and uh, really, really well done. I was impressed with the younger brother's performance, even though it's very subdued, almost emotionless at times. I thought it fit the situation really well, just trying to be the like you know the straight man to Deco's you know more over the top um, character. Um, but for me, the movie was made by Anthony Head. Anthony Head playing the uh, playing Henry the Vampire Hunter. I I just had a really good time with him. I I can't say that every single scene he was in was like you know um, bust your gut funny by any stretch, but I feel like a lot of the funnier moments in the movie did involve his character, him laughing at certain situations. Absolutely tickled me. Um, I literally, there's one scene where he's literally tied to a chair watching a vampire attack, and he's laughing about it. It is I I found it hysterical for whatever it's worth. I'm not going to sit here and call this, you know, one of the best horror comedies in years. Um, it, it's a very solid movie. It's uh, it's one that might work a little bit more depending on the type of comedy you like. Like, I feel like if you like slapstick, you might like this one a little bit better. I'm not the biggest fan of slapstick and not necessarily to say that all the comedy in this movie is slapstick. Not at all. But there are scenes in here with characters you know, getting hit in the face with a shovel, you know, inadvertently, blah, 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 you know, very sideshow Bob with the rakes. So it's um, they're they're definitely going for that kind of Abbott and Costello, uh, Three Stooges, very physical slapstick comedy at times. But then most of the comedy in the movie is really just wordplay. It's just, uh, you know, some of the um, double entendre and things like that and and just misunderstandings with one character misunderstanding something another character says and it turns into a slightly funny situation so overall i'm positive on the film i'm not going to say that it's a must watch by any stretch um i'm not going to say that it's um i i would say if you have access to it and you don't have to pay any money give it a shot so when it starts showing up on streaming services i'd say it's worth your time but don't look for you know uh, a buck uh, a, excuse me a gut busting <laughs> um, you know 
slapstick comedy that's going to, you know, something that's going to show up on people's top tens at the end of the year. I think we just got a solid horror comedy here. Some moments are funnier than others. Some of the jokes work better than others. We get gore. You know, I, I barely talked about the horror because I, this is barely a horror comedy. Yes, it is about vampires. Yes, there is gore. There is blood. But it's just that over-the-top blood that you never really take seriously. You know, just the, the hokey violence and heads getting lopped off, you know, uh, things like that. Um so, I mean, horror comedy, eh, I'd lean towards comedy horror. I'd probably even lean towards, like, comedy action, really. Just a really gory action. Um, but overall, a mild recommend, I'd say, if you're a fan of horror comedies, specifically vampire comedies, check it out. I've seen worse. All right. Uh, I'll throw it over to Dom. What do you think of Let the Wrong One In? So I'm pretty much in Venom's camp, although I'm going to hinge slightly higher for uh, one of the reasons that he mentioned. Um, I'm a slapstick comedy guy. Um, I'm very much in the vein of uh, people getting whacked with objects when they least expect it or, uh, you know, falling out, falling down object, falling downstairs or, you know, crashing into things. And uh, a lot of that is pretty much like almost exclusively what I find funny. Um, I'm actually pretty uh, famous for not finding a lot of stuff funny that uh, people usually say is. (laughs) So uh, a lot of this was actually um, really hysterical. Um, As mentioned, the interplay between the brothers was a lot of fun. Um, I really liked it. Uh, Anthony Held is hysterical. Um, just an absolute show, uh, scene stealer here. Uh, <laughs> everything he did, I, I was rolling. Um, he, he mentioned one of my favorite scenes, uh, the two uh, tied up together on um, opposite ends of the room um, in chairs. And then all of a sudden his uh, brother freaks out and, uh, you know, things go haywire from there. Uh, no, no spoilers, but um, yeah, that was, that was a favorite scene of mine. And it was one of the, the early ones that won me over, um, it does kind of drag a little bit too much, and it's another factor that Venom hit on is uh, the the vampires aren't really all that impo- imposing, um, other than just their uh, propensity for uh, unleashing arterial spray. Uh, a lot of it, uh, it, it I don't want to get too deeply into this, but... To me, it kind of loses steam heading into the third act, and it's because it kind of drops brotherly bonds that had been um, building for the first two thirds, and it just becomes mm-hmm. this weird vampire rescue mission that you know it, it just it comes out of nowhere and it just doesn't really seem like it fits in. Um, the the storyline involving how it comes about isn't that bad, but it just feels underdeveloped compared to the brotherly bond that we get for the majority of the film, which I liked and was far more interesting. Um, I, I really liked all the stuff at the first two thirds where they're stuck at the house and are trying to, you know, figure out what to do with them and trying to keep them from, you know, going crazy on people and trying to, you know, bite them. And all of that stuff was really amusing and fun. And um, I, I really liked it. And then all of a sudden it just turns into this weird, you know, you know, not trying to keep it spoiler free here, but the, the, the vampire masquerade sequence, it, it just comes off as like this weird, unnecessary addition. Uh, you know, the villains just seem like they're from a different movie entirely. They're not funny. They're not, you know, amusing. They just uh, uh, trying to, again, not really wanting to spoil much, but 
Yeah, um, I, I had a lot of uh, fl- problems with the last two, with the last third of this one, um, where it kind of delves into horror um, away from the comedy. Not necessarily saying that you know it didn't need the horror to be you know a horror comedy, but just when it drops the comedy and it becomes it, when it feels more like a straightforward horror film, I had more issues with it. But um, at the sake of uh, trying to keep it spoiler free, I'll just keep it there. Um, Slightly recommended more than Venom, but uh, not quite fully on board with uh, sending him to the house, which I, I, I do want to question this. When the hell did they ever say that he was a, a worker? Because I never caught that at all. If you wouldn't have said that in the <laughs> if you wouldn't have said that, I didn't even know that he had a job to begin with. That's true. Yeah, the movie starts out with him just getting ready for work, but he never quite makes it. So if it weren't That's for that he was, uh, synopsis, I, I thought he was. That's what he was doing. I thought he was just preparing uh, preparing for uh, the day. I didn't know he was actually going to work. Yeah, I think that shirt he was wearing was a work shirt from the store that, oh, that he worked at. Okay. That, I yeah. think, like I said, that, that was the impression that I got. But, uh, I mean, you are correct. I wonder if like, like IMDb synopsises are going off some type of uh, like rough script yeah. of the movie, too, because it'll list character traits that don't yep. always shine through in movies. Oh, yeah, because I was gonna, because I, I was gonna say when you read that off, it was like, wait, he does that, <laughs> and I, I'm not saying it's a spoiler because I mean you set it off at the very intro to you know intro the movie, so I'm not like you know yeah. spoiling a big plot point, but yeah, I, I never got that as soon as he said that, and I was like, wait, what? Did he do that? Because <laughs> yeah, I mean it's been like the first day, you know, like the first, I mean, I, spoiler alert. But yeah, I, as soon as you said that, I had almost a, a big issue with that because I was like, "When did they say that?" But yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm I'm spoiling too much. I, I'll let you go. <laughs> okay. Um. So for me, yeah, I I enjoyed this one. I I'm probably well, I for sure higher than Venom. Probably around um, Dawn's level, I guess. Um. I think you know it. If I ha- if I have to do or I come up with some criticism, I think it's it's probably a little long. It's listed as an hour forty. It probably could have been a an easy ninety minutes. Um, I enjoyed the relationship. I think with you know horror, this takes a lot of beats from um, a Shaun of the Dead type comedy yes. where it's really based on you know how invested you are in the two main characters. It, it's a very, very similar type setup in the fact that it's like you know two best friends. T- and uh, in this case, one gets afflicted with vampirism, um, or I guess that's one way to put it. He's attacked and becomes a vampire. So it's them trying to navigate. Uh, what do you do when your best friend becomes a vampire? Do you kill him at the first chance you have because for the obvious reasons or you try to work through it? Um, and that, and it's very much in that style of comedy, too. I, I actually think... All things considered, this does work better as a comedy than it does horror. It, it's much more comedy. Most of the horror, like it's already been stated, yes, there's technically vampires, there's blood, but um, that's the extent of the horror. I think, you know, any my main criticism, if I have to give one, is I think that it gets a little ambitious over its head in the third act with, with where it goes. I, I think Don kind of hit on that mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, I, I just think the strength of it is when um, the brothers are on the screen together and anytime they're not, that's kind of where the movie loses some steam. Although I do agree with Venom, the, um, 
what's what's the character's name? The older Henry. older vampire hunter guy. Henry. Henry. Yeah, he he's awesome. He kind of almost reminds me somewhat of um, Fright Night. <laughs> Um, a little bit. You know, we where you have kind of like your elder character in there that brings some levity and comedy as well. Uh, he's like the no nonsense, like no, we need to kill him, no questions asked. Like what, what the hell are you thinking? He's a vampire. Um, so I love that contrast uh, with the brother that's trying to like figure out, like, well, can <laughs> can we get through this without killing my brother? Um, but you know, overall, I, I enjoyed it. I think with comedies, the when it comes to horror comedies for me, the main thing is, will I get to the end of the movie and still be laughing and have a good time? And if, if I am, then there I consider it a success. And with this one, by the time it ended and the credits rolled, uh, I still thought, you know, I was having a good time. Um, so I'm going to say, yeah, I would recommend this one. People should see it. And, uh, I, you know, and I, I will say another thing. I, I don't think this has actually been brought up yet. To me, this is another case or another reason why I much prefer practical effects, even when you can tell they don't have a ton of money to put them into into them. I prefer cheap practical effects over cheap CGI. You know, I I can't say for sure that no CGI was using this, but I I saw I, I remember seeing a few of the gags when they kill vampires where it looks practical. And, you know, it's not like they can afford to go out and get Nicotero or Greg baker to like or excuse me rick baker to work on the practical effects so you're not getting like world-class death or kill scenes but what we do get i much prefer what we got over if they would have you know jumped on a computer and just rendered stuff so yeah so i'm saying like indie movies if you have any capability please do practical effects when you can um what else you know, I don't know. You guys covered pretty much what I had to say on general thoughts. Uh, you know, it, to me, it's I like the characters in this, and I think that's what helps indie movies is when you're invested in the characters in the story, what they're uh, trying to do. If you if you're along for the ride, then it's a success. So I'm gonna say, yeah, see this one. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with Don in the sense that the movie kind of loses its. Um, I don't want to say steam, but it loses its um, its sense of self. Like, it doesn't know what it is. Like, I felt like for the first two acts of the film, um, it felt very much like uh, it was something, even though it was solidly in the horror comedy realm, it, it, it felt like it was a little bit more grounded in reality. It's like once we started getting the really over-the-top kills... Uh, is where it kind of started to lose itself and it started to turn a little bit into witching and bitching. Uh, listeners, I'm not sure if, if any of you are familiar with the 2013 film witching and bitching, um, which of course, you know, involves a coven of witches. That's what the third act of this one kind of felt like to me, like after the ritual in witching and bitching and, you know, there was that escape scene, the chase scene where they were all being chased through the, uh, through the facility. We kind of get the same thing here where we almost get, um, not not quite a ritual, but th- there's a gag. We'll we'll go over it in the spoiler section. But they they try to perform a gag, it goes wrong, and then we get another chase scene where now it's vampires chasing the uh, protagonists. And um, as I'm watching it, I'm like, eh, this was done better in Witching and Bitching, you know. So uh, it, it's unfortunate when I'm watching a movie like this, especially a movie that I want to get into, and it just reminds me of other stuff that I've seen over and over again. Um, 
but yeah, I will say, oh, and then to Mike's point about the effects in this movie, I, I kind of like that we get a nice little mix of effects styles in this movie because we do get practical. We get a tiny little bit of CG, not much, but then we even get some stop motion. Like we, we get, there's actually a stop motion kill in here that reminded me very much of Large Marge from Pee Wee's Playhouse. Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, you're right, and I, I, you're correct. I, I thought that same thing when I yeah. saw. It. I actually rewound it because I was like, were yes. my eyes playing tricks on me, or was that Large Marge being? <laughs> it murdered? looked like Large Marge exactly. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, 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 I like the variety of effects here. They tried their hands at multiple different styles. Obviously, some work better than others, but knowing that this is a horror comedy, you know, I'm not going to sit here and judge its effects too harshly. It's a horror comedy. It's a low-budget horror comedy, no less. If there's, you know, superimposed cartoon bats on the screen, I'm not going to fault them. You know, they, they, they did what they could with the budget they had, and they gave us, a, a you know, a fairly entertaining film. So I, I'll give them their props, but yeah. Um I don't know. Anything else that we can talk about that uh, is spoiler free? I'm trying to think. Um, I, I think I got most of my stuff out. Uh, I'm just kind of curious as what's going to constitute spoiler or not. But I, I, I think in terms of everything that I think of that isn't spoiler free, I'm pretty good. Yeah, there was a couple of times in the movie where I, the accents actually got a little thick on me, where I actually had to rewind. Um, when... When our vampire hunter is is first revealed to be a vampire hunter, because when he first shows up, he's not, you know, he, he's perceived to be something else. But when we first get the reveal that he's a vampire hunter and his accent drastically changes, I didn't know what the hell he was saying. I literally had to rewind it and turn on the subtitles. I don't know if you guys caught that, but man. And then there were other moments in the movie where I don't think the dialogue was nearly as important. So I, I wasn't like rewinding, but there were times here and there where the accents got ultra thick um which adds to the comedy a lot of the times for americans you know we hear a funny accent we giggle blah 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 but at times yeah i just had a little bit of trouble catching what they were saying but you know like i said it adds to the fun so i'm not going to complain too terribly much about it minor nitpick more than anything um yeah as i look at my notes it seems like most of what's in here is uh going to be some spoilery stuff so uh i guess we can move on right gentlemen i'm good uh, yeah yeah i think so all right well not really a whole lot to go over here i mean it, it as mike mentioned earlier it is an hour and 40 minute movie but it is a horror comedy so we've got you know a lot of like little throwaway sight gags and things like that attempts at comedy that maybe fall short. So the usual caveat here, I probably won't go every, go through every single scene in this, in this walkthrough, it'll be a fairly brisk one, but basically we are introduced to uh Deco and what's his brother's name, Matt, Matt and Deco. Matt is the younger brother still living with his mom. Uh, they, we see them preparing uh, for the day, kind of getting their day started. And um, Deco shows up, the older brother, just kind of shows up out of nowhere. You know what? I forgot the cold open. Let's do the cold open first, shall we? Uh, the cold open oh, opens in Transylvania. Yes, you can't do a horror comedy without a scene in Transylvania. Um, basically, it's a quick one. We see some women. One of them is dressed as a bride, so it's very obviously like a... Um, 
what do you call it, a bachelorette party. Uh, looks like these women, for some reason, decided to go to Transylvania for a bachelorette party, whatever. Um, and they're seen basically doing a, a dine and dash. But I guess in a bar, it would be called a drink and dash, where they basically didn't pay their bar tab and they run out of the place. Uh, we see the woman who's dressed as a bride kind of get separated from the group. She eventually gets um, kind of she she's approached by what looks like a homeless person. But then as the homeless person approaches, you can see his pale white skin and his fangs uh, coming out off of his top jaw. So uh, and then she's attacked and that's our cold open. So it's a quickie, but I figure um, it's worth bringing up because you might want to remember the woman in the wedding dress. Leave that in the back of your head for now. All right, so now we're introduced to the brothers. Um, we basically see Deco waking up from what looks like a bender. It looks like he just had an overnight, you know, drink binge and wakes up hungover. Only difference is, is he is uh, displaying some odd symptoms. Whenever a part of his bare skin touches the sun, like if sunlight touches his any part of his bare skin, it starts to sizzle. Hmm, what does that mean? Um, he, he starts to realize that he can't look up at the sun. He tries to get himself home, you know, any way he can. He's covering up. Oh, he's wearing a hoodie, so he's able to cover up. He he finds a broken umbrella on the side of the street and uses that to kind of shield himself from the sun. Eventually, he does get home. When he gets home, his mother and his younger brother, Matt, are arguing about him, talking about how much of a loser he is, how, you know, he's irresponsible, stealing from the family, blah, 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 blah. But we get we get the, the kind of the start of the comedy here where we get some cool sight gags where Deco is actually right outside the window as mom is talking smack about him. And every time she turns her back, Deco perfectly moves outside to avoid her gaze, even to the point at where she opens the patio door at one point, And he's standing right there next to the uh, next to the entrance. But mom sticks her head out and looks in the opposite direction and doesn't see her. And we're looking at this through, you know, clear windows. So, of course, you know, so the audience can catch all the sight gags. So, yeah, um, pretty interesting sight gags there. Uh, Deco finally is able to get into his house. Um, as it turns out, mom kicked Deco out um, sometime earlier. We don't know why quite yet. But he is able to sneak into the house while his mother uh, goes to work for the day. And then he starts to tell Matt about, you know, what's going on. I woke up and all of this stuff is happening. Um, basically, Deco shows him the two puncture holes in his neck. You know, the, bite, the, the fang marks there from the vampire, which are always too close together for my money, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> so between that, the whole thing with the sun hurting his skin... And then the fact that he pukes up blood when he comes close to a plate of garlic fries pretty much lets the younger brother, Matt, go, um, dude, I think you're a vampire. And how older brother didn't come up with this, uh, you know, uh, uh, answer sooner is beyond me. But I guess younger brother actually watches horror movies. Who knows? Matt is the younger brother. Um, so he basically says, dude, you're a vampire, man. You need to get the hell out of here. Um, obviously it's morning and it's sunny as hell outside. And so obviously 
Deco doesn't want to go outside and and starts telling his brother, no, 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 this isn't true. Finally, Matt takes Deco over to the mirror and we can see that Matt has a reflection and Deco does not. So it's pretty much uh, Deco is starting to become convinced that he is a vampire. Um, Like I said, we get uh, multiple scenes here at the house. Uh, eventually, younger brother Matt, and I, in you know, in his infinite wisdom, basically decides, "I'm going to call a doctor." Yeah, because uh, doctors are who you're supposed to call when your brother becomes a vampire. Mm. I, I I do like <laughs> movies like this that, um, you know, because they're working with like a lower budget, they kind of get creative with. Um, I I guess I could say tropes, but just like ways to show that he's a vampire. They, you know, they do the whole reflection thing because obviously they they don't have the budget to make these over the top powerful vampires doing crazy feats of like strength or that kind of stuff. So they use the mirror gag. I, 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 and I love like doing during the scene when he's like trying to tell, like convince him, like, no, you've been turned into a vampire. And he gets frustrated with him. Mm -hmm. And like an example, Example of like some stupid like stupid comedy and stupid as in like stupid funny I mean because I laughed when like he sure. he just gets frustrated he's like dude put two and two together and his response was like four like <laughs> <laughs> like he was literally answering to yeah. like a math problem when like everyone you know two and two together is common knowledge for just think dude but he literally just answered it's like stupid things like that like crack me up so uh yeah i, I was uh laughing yeah absolutely i chuckled a few times during that absolutely um all right so while matt is looking for a doctor on the internet he's online looking for a doctor that treats vampires i don't know it yeah this whole scene kind of goes off the rails here for a little bit um but he is Basically, while Matt is looking for a doctor online, his brother starts to get that urge that every new vampire gets, the urge for fresh blood, of course. Um, Matt kind of catches him in the act, trying to basically sneak up on him and get a little bit of blood. He's obviously they, you know, it, it, that turns into an argument because, you know, Deco is always like, you know, oh, I, I won't hurt your brother. You know, me mate, me best mate. Um but then after this scene, Deco does kind of lose it a little bit and starts to lose control and he needs blood. So he starts to approach his brother quite menacingly. Uh, but Matt does notice this and opens up the blinds, letting in some fresh sunlight right onto Deco, which, of course, makes him relent. Deco eventually is like, OK, OK, I'm not going to attack you, blah, blah, blah. At this point, our doctor shows up, and our doctor is, of course, played by Anthony Head, very recognizable character actor. If you've uh, if you've seen him once, you've seen him many times. Basically, shows up um, as a doctor, basically saying, "Oh, I was called about someone." But as soon as the kids, as soon as Deco and Matt tell the doctor, "Oh, I think my uh, my brother was bitten, he was attacked by a woman, and now he might be a vampire." When they tell the doctor this, he doesn't react the way you would think a normal doctor would react. Yeah, yeah, boys, okay. He actually almost takes it seriously and says, okay, I'm, I'm just going to need some privacy here. You know, doctor-patient confidentiality, blah, blah, blah. He's able to get Matt out of the room, even gets Matt to leave the house. And 
While Matt is out of the house, the doctor then proceeds to pull out a mallet and a stake. Yes, our doctor is not a doctor after all. He is a vampire hunter. In fact, he is the vampire hunter that we saw earlier in the film. There's like a little quick scene where we see a vampire hunter kind of dragging a vampire off. Like he's already done battle with it. He's already defeated it and he's just dragging her body away. They do a cool little gag, though, where the sun is out. And and this is something new. I didn't know that dead vampire flesh sizzled in the sunlight, too. But, you know, I, I'll take it. Uh, this already dead vampire has a stake sticking through its heart. He's dragging her around the car. And as soon as the sun hits the body, you start to hear that, that you know, sizzle that we all know and love in vampire movies. And then as he goes around to the other side of the car, by the time he gets to the other side of the car, it's just a skeleton. What's, what's funny, though, is that he's still struggling with it. Like it's a full ass human being uh, that, he, that he's trying to drag. I mean, I don't know what a human skeleton weighs. I've never checked, though. I don't think a human skeleton uh, can stay together in one piece like that. But again, here I am interjecting logic into a horror comedy. What the hell am I doing? So. Um, as I said, our vampire hunter does end up attacking Deco. Of course, Matt um, is able to get in back in the house in the nick of time, able to basically just as the doctor or the vampire hunter, Henry, is bringing his downward swing with the mallet. Matt walks in, which, of course, makes the doctor shift the stake a little bit, ends up stabbing Deco in the stomach, which... Doesn't really have much of an effect. Obviously, it hurts him because he's not used to pain yet. But um, later in the scene, he does end up pulling the stake out of his midsection and the wound does heal. So just more confirmation of what Deco has become. Um, basically, during during this whole thing, um, Matt comes back in the house and is able to separate the two. They're obviously, you know, at each other's throats. They're chasing each other through the house, blah, blah, blah. Eventually, um, I think the old man gets knocked out somehow, and he is able to be tied up to a chair. This is where we have our little interrogation scene, which is pretty funny. Um, basically, they have the doctor tied up in the chair. They pull out his wallet. They they see they find out who he is. Obviously, with all the things that are in his bag, he's got holy water, mallets, and, and steaks, so they obviously know who he is. At this point, Matt does understand that, yeah, I guess vampires are real and there's a big old conspiracy because there's people. I mean, this guy literally turned into a vampire hours earlier and there's already a hunter at his house. So uh, we'll find out why later. Uh, there's a big old network of vampire hunters in Ireland, apparently, but we'll get to that. All right. So during this um, during this interrogation scene, you know, we find out more information about Henry, we find out that Henry was engaged at one point to someone, but she went to Eastern Europe for her bachelorette party. And when she came back, she was completely changed. Does that sound familiar, folks? Yes. Sheila, the woman in the opening scene in our cold open who was attacked by the homeless looking vampire, was the fiance of Henry, our vampire hunter. And as it turns out, Henry isn't really a vampire hunter by trade. This all started because of his fiance. When he realized that his fiance came back uh, as a vampire and that she was basically indiscriminately turning people into vampires in that town to build a vampire army, I guess. Uh, obviously, he wasn't going to allow that to happen. And he was literally following 
his wife and as she would attack people and turn them into vampires, he would then attack them and, you know, drive spikes into uh, drive stakes into their heart, killing them off. So he was basically trying to catch up with his, you know, ex fiance's numbers as she's creating people. He's trying to take them out. Um, we get uh, let's see, what other little revelations do we get here? Uh, this is when Henry starts to explain that eventually your brother is going to attack you. He's not going to be able to resist the urge to drink blood. That's when Matt says, well, technically he already did attack me once. And he's like, see, and he's going to continue to attack you over and over and over again, you know, until, you know, this whole thing ends. Uh, at this point, Matt ends up or excuse me, Deco ends up attacking his brother yet again for the second time, trying to get blood from him. He is able to subdue his brother. Now we've got both Deco and Henry, the vampire hunter, tied up in a living room face to face while Deco is um, or excuse me, while Matt is online looking for some kind of information. He's basically on he's on vampire websites looking for ways to transform a vampire back into a human blah 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 so obviously he doesn't really find anything um but what ends up happening is we get a scene where uh henry says well you might be able to pull his vampire fangs out and that might transform him back into a human and obviously deco is against it because he knows that's going to hurt like hell matt obviously is very for it anything he can do to save his brother's life he's willing to do so we get an excruciating scene where Matt pulls both of um, Deco's vampire fangs out of his teeth. And these fangs are fucking, these are like four inch long. This doesn't look like it tickles when they get pulled out. So anyway, as soon as he pulls the fangs out, uh, Deco smiles and the teeth grow right back in instantly. And we see Henry start to laugh. This made me laugh. I thought this was funny. Yes, Henry knew that that wasn't going to work. He just wanted to see Deco in a bunch of pain, which yeah, I'm sorry, guys. I'm, I'm one of those petty guys too. I would do that. Absolutely. So yeah. Um, at this point, this is when Deco kind of starts to go crazy. He ends up um, just demanding blood. I need blood. I need blood. I need blood. Um, Matt remembers that the douchebag next door neighbor has a bunny rabbit, a pet, a pet bunny. So he decides, okay, I'm going to go next door. I'm going to get the neighbor's bunny because he's an asshole anyway. So I don't care if we kill his bunny, as long as it means my brother doesn't have to kill a human being. Uh, we end up, uh, let's see, Matt ends up going next door to steal the rabbit. He brings it back to his brother to feed on it. Uh, while he's basically he's holding the rabbit up to his brother's face saying, because he's still, remember, he's still tied up in the chair. Uh, he's basically trying to get uh, his brother to take a bite out of the bunny. Finally, he does take a bite out of the bunny. Unfortunately, at the exact same time that he that Deco bites the bunny, the bunny bites Matt and Matt ends up dropping the bunny and we see the bunny kind of run off. Assuming it's about to die because Deco just took a big chunk out of the side of its neck, blah, blah, blah. Um, eventually. Eventually, uh, Matt pulls the doctor who is still tied up in the chair. He basically drags him outside into the sunlight just to keep him safe from his brother. And during that time, the douchebag neighbor shows up and he basically shows up and he's got a baseball bat in his hand. And he's like, where's my rabbit? 
you know, just he's pissed off. Like he's uh, he must have seen Matt running away with the bunny, like towards the tail end of the robbery or the the bunny napping, I guess you could call it. But um, he ends up going into the house, into Matt and Deco's house with a baseball bat. Um, He sees Deco, who he didn't know was home because apparently Deco owed him some money. But when he sees that Deco is home, he notices that there's something wrong with him. He, uh, he, I, I think he describes it as he's got crazy in his eyes. So he starts running away from Deco, eventually getting up to the second floor to an open window in one of the bedrooms, where he jumps out of the house down to the ground and promptly breaks his damn leg like every idiot in a horror movie. Yeah, compound fracture, bones sticking out of the leg, blood dripping onto the ground. Hmm, I wonder what's about to happen. Yep, Uh, basically, Deco comes out takes the douchebag neighbor, drags him into the house to feed on him. Um, The vampire hunter, still tied to the chair, mind you, (laughs) tells Matt, go stop him. Either stop him from killing that man, or if he starts to feed on him, make sure he drains him completely. That's the only way to prevent him from coming back as a vampire. Drain him completely. So um, he basically tells, uh, Matt tells his brother, uh, who is already in the process of attack of, you know, biting the douchebag neighbor basically tells him, look, uh, you need to drain him completely or he's, he's going to come back as a vampire. And Deco's response is great. He's just like, ah, wonderful. Uh, you know, best day ever. Something along those lines. He just has a great reaction to being told you have to drain this person who mind you is his first kill. So this is like, you know, this is like that, 15 year old dry humping, you know, his first girl. It, it's just amazing. So, yeah. All right. So, uh, we, and then we get scenes of uh, uh, basically Deco daydreaming as he's eating the doctor, blah, blah, blah. Then we start to see a flashback. They, sh- they give us a flashback scene where um, mom notices that the television is missing. The living room television is gone. As it turns out, Deco did steal the television to sell for drugs. And this was the catalyst for Deco getting kicked out of the house. So now we know why Deco wasn't allowed back in the house because he sold the family's TV for money, Uh, drug money, excuse me. Uh, So after this, uh, we kind of get a cool little heart to heart scene between the brothers. Basically, Deco is just blood drunk. He basically he drained the neighbor guy who was a fat dude, by the way. So he got himself a lot of blood and he's he's basically blood drunk. He's like stumbling around the house. He, he can barely hold up his own head. Um, and this is when they have a heart to heart about, you know, where the brother starts talking to Deco, just like his mom did, calling him a loser, calling him selfish, always pointing the finger and never taking the blame for the things that he does. At that moment, uh, Deco's girlfriend calls. What the hell was her name? I forgot her name. Uh, Natalie. Natalie is Deco's girlfriend. She's been trying to reach him throughout the film, calling him and not getting a response. Finally, she calls him during this scene, but Matt ends up picking up the phone and telling her, hey, look, uh, Deco's here with me. If you want to see him, come on over. I'm sure he'd love to see you. Uh, This, of course, is against Deco's wishes because he doesn't want his girlfriend to know that he's a vampire. He's mentioned that multiple times in the film. I don't want Natalie to know or she'll leave me. He's concerned that she'll leave him. Uh, But as it turns out, once once she arrives and he tells her that he's a vampire, she's actually she's all in for it. She's like 
oh, you know, I love those vampire flicks, you, you know, team, team Edward, team Jacob, blah, blah, blah. They have a team deco joke in there somewhere. And yes, uh, basically she pulls down the neck or the collar of her shirt and says, go on in big boy. Um, obviously Deco is hesitant at first cause he doesn't, you know, he understands now that he's been a vampire for a few hours, he does understand that this is more curse than gift, but he relents and he goes ahead and bites his girlfriend at the moment that he's biting his girlfriend. Um, Matt is outside getting vampire hunter lessons from the vampire hunter. Basically Matt decides I'm sick of getting pushed around by, you know, my, my mother, my brother, society, just everybody. I, I want to stick up for myself. And he, he flat out asks, can you teach me to hunt vampires? And Anthony, uh, excuse me, Henry, uh, the vampire hunter says yes, instantly. Like he's, he's actually excited. Um, as it turns out, he was looking for an apprentice this whole time. Th this wasn't like a plot or anything. I don't, I don't think anyway, I don't think that Henry was trying to trap Matt into being his apprentice, but it, it, he did basically say, oh, I've been looking for an apprentice anyway, so this is perfect. He does eventually show Matt some techniques with the stake, you know, throwing techniques, stabbing techniques, showing him how to get under the rib cage, you know, when, you, when, when you're uh, trying to stake someone in the heart, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then at this moment, believe it or not, one of Sheila's bridesmaids shows up at the house. Um, one of the women that we see in the opening, in the cold open, being chased. Uh, she shows up, obviously, very obviously. She is a vampire. She instantly recognizes Henry, because um, obviously that was Sheila's fiance. But obviously she's there to stop Henry. She knows what Henry's been doing. Every vampire in the city, it seems like, knows what Henry's been doing, that he's been following Sheila and taking out her victims as she turns them, blah, blah, blah. This woman ends up attacking Henry and Matt. Matt has that hero moment where, you know, up until now he couldn't really kill or stab anybody, but then after we get a slapstick moment where he accidentally knocks out Henry in the shed, he grabs, I don't know, what looks like a cricket bat or something, some kind of aboriginal weapon of some kind, ends up stabbing this vampire and pulling her heart out with the weapon, almost like a spatula or like a pizza um, tray, I guess you would call it, whatever those, the pizza, pizza spatula. And then this is where we get our large Marge death, where basically we see the vampire dead on the ground in the shed. Matt throws the heart out the window, breaking all the glass of the window, allowing the sun to now come in and drape this woman in sunlight. And then this is where we get the stop motion kill. It's almost claymation at times. I, th I think it is solidly just stop motion. But yeah. Very large barge, the way the eyes get wide, the mouth and tongue, the mouth gets wide and the tongue sticks out. It's just, yeah, almost uncanny. Um, at this point, at this point, Deco and his girlfriend are both now vampires and they're they're practically making plans already about where they're going to go. Um, what ends up happening is um, mom ends up getting kidnapped, but not 
she it's almost like a voluntary kidnap because she doesn't know she's being kidnapped. What's happening is after Matt and Deco have, you know, another go around in the house fighting each other, blah, blah, blah. Mom ends up showing up at the house. And at the exact moment that she shows up, three more of Sheila's wedding party including Sheila, actually. So, like, Sheila and two more of her bridesmaids end up showing up at the house at the exact same time that Mom does. They take Mom... uh, They basically tell Mom that she's won a sweepstakes of some kind. Mom is like, wow, I I sent that scratcher in over a month ago. Is that what this is about? And she's like, yes. And Mom is excited, obviously. She feels like she just won a jackpot. Her son, Matt, is standing there basically telling her, no, Mom... They're vampires. Where are you going? Mom isn't listening. You know, once she hears jackpot, uh, mom is pretty much deaf to the world. Uh, she ends up getting taken into the vamp into the vampires. Uh, what was it? It was a pink stretch Hummer. Yeah, a fucking Hummer limousine. So that that tells you what kind of shitty people these vampires are. <laughs> anyway, um, they end up taking mom. The reason that they kidnapped mom is because she has a very rare blood type. I believe AB negative is what they say in the movie. Apparently, it's it's a rare strain that um, vampires kind of covet throughout the world. And when they actually find someone with that blood type, they make a big deal about it. They don't just kill them instantly. They kind of... Uh, What they end up doing in this movie is they actually end up raffling off the mother at this big vampire gathering that's happening. This is we're solidly in the third act of the film. Now Uh, we are at the vampire gathering. I forgot to mention, I'm very sorry. I forgot to mention that Henry does not survive this scene Um, during the scene right before they take uh, Matt and Deco's mother in the limo. Sheila does slit. Um, her ex-fiance's throat. They do have an interaction, uh, like a face-off, almost like a breakup, if you will, like an official, because they they technically haven't even seen each other or spoken to each other since she got back from Transylvania. So this is like their first face-to-face. She ends up um, cutting his throat and then stabbing him in his, the head with his own stake, killing him. And yeah, so I didn't want I didn't want to gloss over Henry's death since technically he is my favorite character of the film. And that is an hysterical sequence, the way that happens, because it does play into their relationship in a rather unusual way. Yeah. Because <laughs> the, the the whole thing was that the, the subplot was that she wanted to take the um, trip to get away from him because all he would talk about was trains. And during the <laughs> sequence, they go heart to heart and they actually talk about why they couldn't have been together. And then the train passes by and he looks down at his watch and goes, oh, that thing must have changed his schedules. Like the last thing he's going to do is he's still going to be focused on the trains instead of her. So she just slits his throat. It's hysterical. (laughs) Oh, it's great. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah. I didn't mention Henry's train obsession at all. But yeah, he is a train nerd and he proves it multiple times throughout the film. But yeah, to see Sheila just finally have that last straw of this is why I didn't want to marry you and then just slit his throat. Uh, So perfect. Very cool scene. So like I said, um, we are now at the vampire gathering. Um, (laughs) Matt, (laughs) clever or dumb? I, I, you know, it's up to the viewer, but basically he steals some white makeup. Um, He takes some Uh, he takes the fangs that he ripped out of his brother's mouth earlier and kind of somehow fastens them to his own teeth. Like I said, he has white makeup. He makes his flesh white. He puts on sunglasses, a trench coat. Basically he looks like a character from blade. Um, And he goes to the vampire gathering 
one of the main vampires, uh, one of the women from the bridesmaid uh, party is uh, watching the door and she gives this kid shit right off the bat. Like it's not that she knows he's not a vampire, but she, he, Matt basically suspects that she might suspect he's not a vampire. So you can see kind of this uncomfortable situation developing around them. And then just as you think the situation's about to come to a head, uh, the female vampire just starts giggling and says, get in there, stupid. I'm not, I'm just giving you shit, blah, blah, blah. Uh, so he's able to get in there. Um, he, he then sees that his mother is being raffled off because of her AB negative blood type. Um, all the vampires in the party have raffle tickets, including Matt, who got a raffle ticket as he came in. And, um, obviously what most of us would expect to happen is that Matt would win the lottery, but what, what, or the raffle, but what ends up happening is the, the numbers, the, the raffle tickets are both color and number coded. So they have to match the number and the color. Um, so Matt actually has ticket yellow 37. He's got a number 37 ticket that's yellow. The, the winning ticket that's drawn is red 37. Um, but obviously, you know, he has yellow 37 and then no one's answering the call for that raffle ticket. You know, like maybe they're not there, they're out of the room or whatever. So Matt cleverly takes his yellow ticket, dips it in a glass of blood that one of the vampires is drinking, which apparently changes the hue into a red ticket just enough that he was able to actually pull this off. He actually walks up to the stage, hands his red 37 ticket, and they basically tell him, okay, do it right here, right now, because we can't take it, you know. Her her blood type is just so good and it's driving us all crazy. So go ahead and take her right here, right now so that we can have some scraps or whatever. I forget what the exact wording was, but um, basically Matt's trying to, you know, kill time. He starts to untie his mother. He's trying to do it real nonchalantly, like behind, obviously behind her back so that the people, the vampires standing in front don't notice anything, but then lo and behold, the actual holder of the ticket red 37 shows up to the front of the stage. Um, he starts yelling fix like the, the contest is fixed, blah, blah, blah. But then at the moment that he starts doing that, Matt is able to get his mother untied from the chair. They go running out of the room. And then this is where we get a little bit more slapstick where the main vampire, Sheila basically screams, get them. And you know, the music starts and we get the wacky chase scene that I described earlier as pseudo witching and bitching. Um, it's not a terrible scene by any stretch, but obviously after you've seen it done better somewhere else, it kind of ends up paling in comparison, but um Let's see, where are we? We're at the vampire party. They're escaping. We end up getting um, up to the roof. Um, Matt somehow is able to set up an explosive with some propane tanks that are on the roof. He's able to open up one of the propane tanks and he sets his Zippo lighter on top of it so that as he basically is escaping... Uh, the whole place goes up, which is exactly what happens. Basically, everybody inside dies. Um, at this point, I think there's only a few vampires left. Or actually, are all the... I think... Oh, that's right! I, I skipped I skipped uh, Sheila's death. Sheila has a spectacular death. 
where both brothers actually stab her. They, they stake her in the heart from opposite sides of her body. And then we get that c- cool little CG shot of, you know, inside her chest cavity where we see her heart getting pierced from both sides from different stakes. That was actually pretty cool. And then as soon as uh, they pull the stakes out, she ends up exploding in a, just a glorious bath of viscera and, and corn syrup. Oh, it was, it was lovely. It was a nice little death. I, I'll give him credit for that one. I didn't want to gloss over that either, because that was definitely one of the more spectacular deaths of the film. Um, we, we end up, oh, I, I skipped the holy water kill, which was probably my favorite in the movie. Um, at one point, Matt and Deco are running through that vampire gathering. They're cornered in one of the rooms. Uh, they're trying to hold the bedroom door closed while this vampire is trying to get in. Okay, okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. I was going to ask about this because this was one of the things that I, I wanted to ask, but I thought it was a spoiler. Sure. Was that Sheila? Was that the mother? No. I could have was... sworn that. I could have sworn that was the mother because I thought that they had turned her. Because it looks like that's the mother trying to break in that they spray with holy water. So then I was like, wait, oh, how, yeah. the hell did, how the hell did she get back home? Because the brother, because I mean, we're going to get there eventually, but right, right. they get yeah. home and she's there. I don't, I don't know. I thought that was her when the, they sprayed with holy water. No, that was the that was the bridesmaid that had the sexy red dress on. You remember all the bridesmaids had red dresses. Like one one of the one that was killed in the shed had like a long flowing red dress that kind of covered most of her body. And then there was another one that had a sexier red dress where it was like slightly shorter and it had like a bustier top, you know, with her boobs all squished together. That's who that was at the door. Oh, yeah. Because we do. I mean, because I mean, as you mentioned, yeah, we do see mom uh, later in the film. Mom, luckily, does make it through. Uh, so yeah, um, I think that's pretty I, much. Let me see. Yeah, I could have sworn that when we're trying to break in, I thought that was the mother. I mean, I thought I like I might have like ducked down and for like missed the scene where she's revealed to have been bitten or something. But right, right, I hear you. No, no, that was definitely that was uh, Sheila's number two because Sheila oh, had like okay. three or four main bridesmaids that we see multiple times, and I think that was the second right. one. Okay. I, I say the sexy one because she had the tight dress on. She had the tight red dress. So. Mm. Um, so then, like I said, Matt and uh, Deco are able to get out of the building with holding the vampire gathering. As they escape out of the building, um, the explosive that they set up does indeed go off, killing everyone in the building. So, yes, all of the evil vampires, at least the ones that came to this party, are now dead. I mean, if there's any vampires that like couldn't find an Uber or whatever, or just decided not to go, they're still running around somewhere. But at the very least, all the ones at the party are dead. And then we get one of the most ridiculous scenes in this film. I'm still not sure if this scene is stupid or funny as hell, but I was laughing the entire time for whatever it's worth. Basically throughout the film, Deco was trying to turn into a bat. There was, you know, he he thought that, you know, all vampires could turn into bats. Um, Finally, his girlfriend does. Uh, Natalie ends up at one point turning into a bat. And he's jealous, of course, because he can't pull it off. So finally, at the end of the movie, right before the building explodes, Matt, or excuse me, Deco turns into a bat, but he still has his human head, which is so off-putting 
this is what I mean. It's either incredibly stupid or incredibly funny. And literally this tiny bat, not a gigantic bat, mind you, a, a, you know, normal sized bat with a human head on it, then flies away while towing his brother. So, and it's very obviously CG. It looks silly, but like I said, for this type of movie, it's effective because it's over the top. It's goofy. It's funny. The fact that these two brothers and they're ho- they're having a conversation. They're holding an entire conversation throughout the whole flight, if you will. And and it's not a short flight either. This is like across town. They go over a few bridges, a couple of bodies of water. <laughs> This is the scene that's going to leave the final taste in your mouth. So it's like, if you like this, I think you're going to enjoy this movie overall. But if that scene is a little too over the top for you, it might leave a bad taste in your mouth. Um, And that's kind of where our movie ends, except for one little extra bit. Well, we Wait. that that we got the Titanic ending. That's what it was like. Jack, uh, yeah, Jack yeah. and Rose on the front of the Titanic. <laughs> I like that. I didn't even think of that. Oh man, all, all I needed was Celine Dion to start singing. I might have caught it then. <laughs> and then, like I said, uh, Matt and Deco get home. Um, Mom is there waiting for them. Everybody's happy. Mom invites Deco back in the house. Um, and just before Matt goes in, you know, mom and Deco are already in the house just before Matt goes in, he turns around and does everybody remember the douchebag neighbor's bunny rabbit that got bitten by Deco earlier in the movie? We basically see the bunny rabbit with bat wings flying right in front of Matt. Matt doesn't do anything. He just shrugs his shoulders and walks into the house. And that's the end of the film, folks. Our movie ends with Bonicula. And my Gen X brothers and sisters out there, you know who Bonicula is. And I, guys, I was so fucking excited. That scene probably means nothing to 95% of the people who watch this movie. But to the few of us uh, who were around in the late 70s and early 80s who read the Bonicula series of books oh my god it's not actually bunicula but just to see that image of the bunny rabbit with bat wings floating there ah it it made the movie for me and and it's a stupid thing to say that one little silly throwaway scene at the end made the movie but really um to to have this horror comedy that like i said is pretty funny throughout to then just end with this weird, quirky reference that it fits the over-the-top quality of the film. That you know, I, I described multiple over-the-top scenes, plus even a couple that I skipped. Um, but yeah, to see that bunny rabbit with bat wings floating there, I'm sorry, I fucking loved it. It made the movie for me. <laughs> so yeah, there you go, folks. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I don't really have much to add, but yeah, I I yeah. enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Not a whole lot of one-liners in this one. I, there was a couple that I liked. I'm a vampire for fuck's sake. Uh, I thought that, at least in the context of that line and how it was delivered, I thought it was pretty cool. But yeah, like like I said, not a whole lot of like memorable one-liners, but some good wordplay comedy throughout. Some decent physical comedy as Don mentioned, with some of the more slapsticky type stuff, if you will. Um, Anthony Head, again, awesome. Uh, me and Don tend to seem to agree on that one. Probably the high point of the film. Um, a lot of the best comedy in the movie is kind of you know, driven by uh, the Henry Vampire Hunter character. So, 
very cool. Um, the car scene, yeah. there, there's a car chase scene in this movie that's a little silly. It's the scene where um, the girlfriend, Natalie, turns into a bat and she's chasing Matt. She actually is able to fly successfully. She's got like the half human, half bat thing where she's basically in humanoid form, but she's got a bat head. Like her head is the head of a bat and she's talking to Matt as she's like flying next to the car. It was funny, but maybe just a little too much. Though I did like the way it ended with her head kind of getting uh, turned into a Pez dispenser. I thought that was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. It's a fun gag. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, it just, you know, it's all part of that stuff where just it just kind of feels like it's it comes from a different film altogether. So. Yeah, I'm going to agree with Don on that one. The The first two acts of this movie and the third act feel like they're from different movies. They're, they're both still from horror comedies, but like I said, it feels like that third act, you know, it, it definitely gets more physical, more slapstick style, um, which, you know, isn't a bad thing necessarily. Um, it's just a matter of how you look at that style of comedy, the kind of, you know, the Jim Carrey, very physical style of comedy. If you're into that kind of stuff, then there's no reason you shouldn't love this movie. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, I'll just add that. Like they definitely kind of mess around with the vampire Lawrence to allow them to be kind of out during the day. It's like, as long as they don't, I guess have sunlight hitting them directly because they'll walk around with umbrellas to protect themselves, which I thought exactly. was funny. Yeah. That's interesting that you can, I mean, that's not how UV rays work, but again, it's a movie. I'll suspend disbelief, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Well, <laughs> Yeah, that's going to do it for our discussion on Let the Wrong One In. Um, so let's find out where else we can be heard. So Venom, you're up first. All right. Uh, I don't think there's anything much new. As I mentioned earlier in the show, it was my birthday this weekend, so I haven't recorded anything new other than one guest spot. But let me go over the main stuff first. Uh, no More Room in Hell presents Creature Comforts. Episode 7 is still the latest one available. We look at 1980s Alligator. Our next episode will be looking at The Relic. And we're going to have a guest with us once again, Mr. Bo Ransdell, returning. Um, he had such a great time the first time. He had to do it again. So he is back. We're, not, we're only on episode eight, and he's already done two guest spots. I love it. So, yeah, look out for that one sometime in late April, maybe even early May, depending on how long it takes for me to finish up the episode. The main show, No More Room in Hell, um, actually records this coming Sunday with my picks. Uh, we're going to go ahead and look at a couple of spring break horror films. Uh, first off, we'll be looking at The Ruins, which is kind of the, the, the bigger theatrical release that a lot of people are probably going to be familiar with. But then I pulled out a more obscure film to pair with it, and that is 2011's Atrocious which is a Spanish language found footage film. Um, it's basically, it, it is still spring break themed because the two kids in the family are on spring break. They're returning home. So it's not necessarily like set in Cancun or some kind of paradise like the ruins is, but you know, a part of spring break is also going home along with going, you know, to some tropical place. So those are going to be our selections for this week. I believe what that's episode 45. Mike, or 46? I forget what we're up to. Uh, 45. That'll be 45. So that'll record this Sunday, and 
hopefully will be, wait a minute, no, not this Sunday, next Sunday. I'm so sorry, next Sunday. I've got my dates mixed up. So, because um, this Sunday is Creature Comforts, right, Don? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, okay, I think, so this yeah. Sunday uh, yeah. is going to be Creature Comforts. Next Sunday, which will actually be May 1st, will be the next episode of the main show, No More Room in Hell. Um, so look out for that sometime in the first week of May. Um, probably right around the same time that the Creature Comforts episode eight drops. So look out for that. And then as far as my guest spots go, I did a guest spot. Uh, I know I've already talked about this the last couple of weeks, but I love this man and I love his show. So I'm going to keep plugging it as long as I can. It is Mr. Bo Ransdell and his newest show, The Dark Parade. I did a guest spot recently where we looked at 1981's Hell Night starring Linda Blair, a very, very guilty pleasure for me. Um, so check out that review. Obviously, we're not going to like peel back the layers with that like we did with Psycho. There's not really a whole lot of layers to pull back with a movie like Hell Knight, but we still have a, a lot of fun with it and bust out a lot of facts as well. So check out that episode. That's available on Legion Podcasts. And then... Last and very not least, uh, I did a guest spot on my brother Don's podcast, my brother Don and Nelly right here with us on the Horror Countdown podcast, where we looked at a subject that's very near and dear to my heart. We looked at top 10 Spanish language horror films, and it was an absolute blast. So I'm sure Don will have more information on when that might get released. So that is it for me, gentlemen. All right. How about you, Don? Uh, well, uh, let's see. Um, uh, Creature Comfort's coming soon. Uh, current episode is uh, available, all that uh, fun stuff. I uh, don't have much else in the way of uh, guest spots for now. Uh, the only thing is uh, the current episode of uh, Horror Countdown, which is um, our friend Gary Hill. Uh, we looked at 1980s creature features, uh, so check that one out. Awesome. Um, uh, in regards to Venom's um, end of summer, nice. um, I'm kind of uh, that's how far uh, the backlog I have is uh, basically end of summer, I think. So hey, that's a good way to be, man. You can yes. retire from podcasting and still have episodes for like a year. <laughs> uh, pretty close. Uh, I'm through July, August, I think. Very cool. Yeah. Oh. Um, I yeah, wish I so, could be ahead like that. <laughs> Make life so much easier. Well, a weekly schedule kind of helps. Yeah, so. that's true, too. Yep, yep. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, um, as for that one, uh, I figure July, August, somewhere in there. But, um, yeah, really looking forward to that one because that one was uh, a, a lot of fun. Uh, we had uh, some great talks on uh, a couple of uh, fun films. Uh, not going to say too much, but... Uh, yeah, one of uh, my favorite times, of course. So uh, I think that's it for me because uh, nothing else is uh, really ringing up. Oh, um, I also did want to mention um, I have uh, since uh, the last couple of weeks, I haven't had a Facebook news feed for some reason. Um, nothing showed up for me for a couple of weeks. So I took the time and I started a special photo album or it should be several because I found out. Uh, the hard way that there's actually going to be a uh, limit to um, the photo albums, but 
So I'll just say um, I'm going to be doing a, a project on my Facebook page where I'm going to be doing a catalog of every horror film I've ever seen in alphabetical order. And um, yes, I'm that anal. Yes, I have that kind of time. <laughs> I, I, at least I should um, for the most part. But um, yeah, look forward to that one because I think I'm going to have a bunch of surprising stuff. Uh, just trying to, you know, I, I initially did it in the hopes that um, it would probably drive people to my page to see if I could get the feed to come back. So uh, apparently it did because it came back a couple of days ago. But um, yeah, for the I, I started because I didn't have one. So I figured that would probably keep me in the loop for some reason. And uh, I'm looking forward to uh, showing everybody what I have. The recording as of uh, now, um, as of the recording, uh, the first one is up. It was hashtag alive. Um, I should have the first uh, three or four by the time you read this, but uh, it'll be on my page if uh you ever want to see how anal, uh, how many horror films I have, and uh, how anal I was in trying to catalog them? So, I couldn't imagine that task. Oh my god! I'd well, be... luckily, my, luckily, my letterbox and uh, my IMDb accounts were pretty uh, helpful. Oh, um, good. Okay. So yeah, that was uh, a big part of it. But um, I also had a, a couple of other th- um, things that uh, kind of filled in some gaps here and there. Just um, yeah, I, I think I at the at present time, the catalog was 3,500 to 36. I, I don't remember the exact number, but I'm not up bad. in there. Nice. So, yeah, um, not bad for about 20 years worth of watching. So, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, um, that is on my personal page. Um, the countdown, horror countdown, uh, you can find that everywhere else. And uh, Creature Comforts, you know, with uh, no other guest spots that uh, I can imagine. Back to you, Mike. Okay. Uh, I got nothing. So, uh, is there any movies coming out in the theater this week? I don't think so. Titanic 666. Let's do a 2B movie. Titanic 666. It's actually getting good ratings from what I've heard. Is it really? Um, I've I've heard people saying that it's better than they thought. So, uh, I I really kind of want to do Wormwood. I loved the first Wormwood. Like, I adored it. I bought it right after I, I saw it. Um, obviously, it um, doesn't mean the sequel is going to be great, but I'm very much looking forward to that. But, yeah, it looks like we have multiple things this week, too, because the seller dropped. Um, something else is dropping this week on Shutter, I think. So, uh, aside um, from like, the seller, there was something else. I think this Friday something drops. Yeah, um, but yeah, I'm trying to think. I, I I know which one you're talking about, but yeah, there's too many things coming out. That <laughs> yeah, this is uh, the start of the year where I think they're we're trying we're getting a bunch more stuff coming out. But uh, yeah, um, I I know which one you're talking about. I'm, I'm up for Wormwood. I like the original, and uh, it was a lot of fun. So uh, always down for more zombies. So yeah, there you go, Australian um, zombies, love them. <laughs> yeah, um, not that I'm advocating, but um, you wouldn't get much of a complaint on my end if we do. So take that for how you will, Mike. There you go. Okay. Well, that's going to wrap up this episode. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. We will catch you in a week's time with another episode. So until then, let's say bye to the listeners. Later. Do you think Irish vampires still smell like Irish spring? <laughs> Peace.